0: Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. Thank you for being here today. Uh, We are not in the book of John anymore. Some of you are excited, some of you are not so excited but glad that you're with us today. We're talking about church hurt today. And in the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this and there's a problem in the church. And it's a problem that sometimes we don't want to talk about or we overlook or we hope will go away, but it's a, it's a problem. And it may not be every church, but every church is not immune. It can happen anywhere, and it can happen anytime, and, and I know that you know these things, but there's a very powerful truth that I want to share with you right from the very beginning. And this is the reason for church hurt, and this is really, a, a, it runs deep. You're supposed to laugh at this. The church would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> Amen. Amen, right? I'm not really cueing you to laugh. I'm just, I want you to know that I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek, but it's the reality that we face that when you add people to the equation, you add a lot of things to the equation, and what ultimately can happen is that people get hurt. Ministry, church ministry, is messy. When you start getting into lives, because we really value discipleship because Jesus values discipleship, that what we are to be about is to be disciples who make disciples. And so when you get into people's lives, you get into messy situations. The beautiful thing that we see in Jesus is that he came into our mess. He tabernacled among us. He met us right where we are that he is the power to change, he is the power to turn uh, church hurt into something better. This morning, I want to begin a healthy dialogue. Uh, Often we're going through books of the Bible, there's times we go through topics like these kind of things, we're getting into Easter. I feel the need to talk about this, to to open up this, this dialogue, because I would say that If we stop right now and we just, we sat in a circle and you started talking about your church experiences, many of you at some point in your past would say, let me tell you about this. There was this one time, this one person, this one couple, this one thing, this one situation, this one pastor, this one leader, this one something, this one season that left me hurting and struggling and disconnecting from the church and really disconnecting from God. And so my hope is to bring hope into a situation of hurt. To really look at things honestly and have this open dialogue. And, and Because what we're finding, this happened at 9-11 around that time when things went really bad in our country. Uh, people were looking for answers. And God uses times like this in our culture and in our society to, to open up hearts and minds and lives to, hey, we need to, we need to get back to church, or hey, we need at least to have a conversation with God. And church is not often painted in a very um, favorable light at times. Because people will say, yeah, yeah, when I was in church, uh, I'm not going back there. I can't tell you how many times I have friends that don't go to church that show up in a church and they take a step in the, and, and do this. They do this. They take a step in and they do this. And it's the joke of like, I was afraid the ceiling was going to fall. I mean, the, the, the number one emotion that people they feel, and if you're brand new to church or you're brand new to, to this church, the number one emotion that you feel is fear. That we want to do what we can to speak into that, to talk about it, because we understand I understand, when we uh, left ministry years ago, we were, we were hurt by church. It was this church, we're gonna be honest. We were hurt because I think of, of, we had these unrealized expectations of what ministry was gonna be like, and we thought it was gonna be this, and it turned out to be work. <laughs> it turned out to be messy. And we were hurt. And we stepped away. And in that stepping away, we're like, all right, we need to find a church. And there we, we walked into one church and no one said a thing to us. We had young kids and we put them in the nursery, maybe just Caleb, was it just Caleb? Put them in the nursery and we sat down. In the, in the cer- nobody said anything and, and we looked at each other and we're like, do you wanna get out of here? I'm like, yeah. And we got back up before the service even started and we got our kids and we left. I get it, it's not easy. But sometimes we as the church can be a barrier, can be a wall for people that want to go to church, want to, to seek out biblical faith, at least say, I'm not sure if I believe that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore that at least and see if what this is all about. May we not be a barrier to people. That some reasons why people have been hurt is because of hypocrisy, because of gossip, because of judgment. And we're gonna talk about those three things over the next couple weeks. But I, my hope is that we turn church hurt into church hope. Not that we change our name, but that we be a place where hope is, where people can come and say, ah, okay, you guys are actually nice, <laughs> you're decent. Because we, most of us, because what, what we want is we want people to at least feel like they can get from the parking lot to the point of the message without any distractions, without any interference. If you have children here today, our hope and our prayer and the way we design things is we want you to feel so comfortable that you can drop your children off and come in here and not even think about them. But that you can come into this place, even if you don't have kids, and say, okay, I'm welcome, I'm exploring, I'm trying to figure it all out, but I, 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 there's, a, there's a place for me here we want that for you. And we want this to be a place of hope. Because it's not about Northampton that we don't point you to our church, we don't point you to some prophet. <laughs> we point you to Jesus. That he is our hope. And that we know that in finding Jesus you will find life. That you will find peace, that you will find hope. And we want this we want Northampton to be a place where you can be real. Real with God. Real with yourself and real with each other. And that's why we talk about life groups. That's why we talk, because it's not just about, we don't, like this is, this is something that we invest a lot of time in on Sunday mornings, but this is not the end all. You don't just come to church and like, hey, I did my thing and I'm going home. This is not the show. This is not the Super Bowl. This is the place where we come as the church collectively and we worship together and we hear from God's word and we're challenged and encouraged to hopefully go and live differently by God's power but we'd love for you to take other steps where you get connected with people, not in rows and sit in circles and, and talk with people and not just talk like about your feelings, but, but, but really talk about life and say, you know, today we talked about this and Sunday we talked about this and, and how can I walk this out? How can you help me to walk this out? And those kind of things. And so it's, it's very important. And some of you have been hurt by church. Some of you have been hurt by leaders. Some of you have been hurt by misguided theology getting close to anybody yet? (laughs) Some of you have been hurt. But if I can challenge you and encourage you today, this is one of the things I want you to see today. One of my, my prayers for you as I've been praying for you this week is that you would not give up on God because of how his children behave. Some of you would look around and say, yeah, I gave up on God because I was treated like garbage. I want you to know, and this is something that you already know, that the way that you may have been treated in church is not really God's heart for you. You may have used that as an excuse, and sometimes we do. We're like, yep, you know what, I'm done. But deep down, you know that that's not a reflection of the heart of God. We want to be a church, and we're going to look at this at the very end, but we want to be a church that really embodies the heart of Jesus. And that only happens because Jesus is changing us. It's not like we've learned how to be a good Christian people, that that what we have done is surrendered our lives to Christ, and he is changing us so that any good thing that happens in this space and any good thing that happens in any sphere of, of influence that you're in is a reflection of what Christ is doing in you and through you. That's what we want to be about. We don't want to change your behavior. We want Jesus to change your life, and we point you to him. And so don't give up on God because God is not those things that have hurt you. That God is love and grace and mercy and peace and it's not a reflection of his heart. I want to give you a more thing and then I'm going to tell a story I'm going to tell on myself. This is something you need to remember and this is something you've experienced and something you know that's true is that hurt people hurt people. And this is not to excuse what's been done to you is not to excuse the experience that you've had, but to help you understand and give frame of reference to that person in your life, whether it be in church or wherever it is, that that person often is a hurt person themselves hurting other people. And that may be you. But my hope is you begin to identify, you begin to see it and say, okay. I I need to forgive them, because in forgiving them, I actually set myself free, and that forgiveness really only comes because of Christ changing me, because inside of me, I just want to punch him in the face. Like we're allowed to be real, right? But I need to forgive them. No matter the degree of what has been done to you, that you would understand that hurt people hurt people, and it doesn't mean like, ah, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. But by God's power and God's strength... I forgive you. All right, so I need to tell myself. You guys have probably been part of toxic Christianity at some point in your life. Uh, I, was, I was the, I don't think it's the bad thing, but I was in the 90s, like early 90s, coming into high school. I was the kid that wore the Lord's Gym t-shirt, Jesus bench pressing the cross. I would like. Is anybody else? Where is it? Just me? Okay, good. I see that hand. Anybody else? Good. I see that. No. I got to teach. This is not the part of the story, but it reminded me. I had a, a Spanish teacher who's very. He's Catholic. I wore that shirt, and it was quite a brutal scene. If you remember, the, like, look it up, look it up now if you want. Lord's Jim, like, Jesus is, like, in agony, like, bench pressing. It's not good. I mean, it's, it's pretty toxic anyway. Bench pressing the cross, but the message is, like, Jesus died for you. And that this guy, this teacher got really mad at me because he thought I was being, like, I was saying something different, <laughs> like, miscommunicating. And he was ticked at me. I'm like, but I was, that teenager and so we had this issue in our family some family members that didn't live in my own house uh, (laughs) as I talked to my mom were hurt by us not because we did anything necessary I mean we did something but it was unrelated and this story is not about them but I'm giving you a little bit of frame of reference to the point that they disowned us they sent us photographs cut up like bad like cut up I wasn't cut up But everybody in my family was cut up in envelopes and sent to our house. it was rough. But I figured, you know, I wasn't cut up, so I had a hearing. So because I was, can I just say, like, I'm not going to keep on saying it. I had a toxic relationship with Jesus, I think. Because I wrote a letter. Back in those days, you wrote letters. These days, you write emails or whatever. But I wrote a letter, and I went to them, and I took this letter to them. And in the letter I laid out, you know, I was hurt, how I felt, and it's like, it's, I don't even remember the words. But I know I expressed my heart and, and the agony and all of that. And that's not so bad. But I get to the end of it. And I shared the gospel with them. Good, right? I mean, that's right. That's right but then it gets toxic because I was sharing the gospel for ulterior motives. So what I did was I I shared the gospel of how Jesus died for you. Like, we have a bad relationship and all this stuff is bad, but I want you to know that there's a God who loves you and, and Jesus died for you on the cross so that your sin could be forgiven so that you could be with him for all eternity. Gospel, 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 gospel. And I get to the end and here's the toxic part. I said something to the effect, that now that you know the gospel, now that you know the truth, when you stand before God, you have no excuse. Right? It was like a, like a toxic Christian zinger, like, ha-ha! Now you know the truth, and when you stand before God, you can't be like, I didn't know. That's bad. I told you it was toxic. I was hurt, and I was responding in hurt, I've since repented. I don't write letters like that anymore. They're all emails. No, kidding. <laughs> kidding. TikToks. But I say that to say, I mean, it's easy for me to stand up here and tell you, like, eh, you guys are all bad. Like, I'm telling you, uh, I'm a person. I'm not a prophet. Uh, I'm a pastor, but I'm a person. The same struggles and the same thing. You're going to hear more stories about me maybe, than you've heard before. <laughs> but every church has people who have been hurt, and some have been hurt because of their own misunderstandings. We're going to talk about in a minute kind of these four areas of why people have been hurt, and we're going to give you some reasons why. And but some of you have been really hurt, and you're struggling, and these scars that you have have run pretty deep, and it's caused you to not want to engage with church or re-engage with church or even re-engage with God, more importantly. And our hope is that this will help you to understand that we're all in this together. We need each other. It's going to be all right, but we're going to look to Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these things. My hope is not to bring judgment upon us all, but to really speak, like, let's just be real. Because we're going to be talking about hypocrisy, (laughs) we're going to be talking about gossip, we're going to be talking about judgment. That we need to be the hardest on ourselves because often we kind of look outside the walls of the church, which we are the church, the building is not the church, but we look outside of the church and we sit in judgment of people outside the church. And Paul very clearly says, stop judging those outside the church, let God take care of that. You need to judge yourself. Our culture is changing quickly. And you know this, and I know this, and my hope is even over the next couple weeks and even over the next however many weeks that we equip you to be able to speak truth into the culture, to be able to understand where people are coming from. Because the mindset that you have, and this is something that that was really solidified from you this week, is that what's creeping in is that it doesn't matter if a thing is true or not. It only matters if it offends me. That's hard to push back against because you may be speaking the truth, but the cross is offensive. Scripture tells us the cross is offensive, and if I'm offended by your message of the cross, then you're in trouble. And my heart is not to go to battle with people, let's let's throw down, like, I want to be able to speak the message of the gospel, the truth of the gospel into a culture that needs to hear it. And some of that is us getting over ourselves. Some of that is calling out, yeah, you know what? We've been hypocrites. Yeah, you know what? We do gossip. And a lot of times we gossip under the umbrella of, hey, you know, would you just pray for, uh, for that couple because, you know, like, well, we're going to pray together for them, but I just want to let you know what's going on. You know, I just got to let, let you know all the details before we can pray for them. No. Stop. We'll get into that as we go on. I want to encourage you not to give up on God. I I, I noticed that I have an error in the notes. The unfortunately reality, that's not it, but the unfortunate reality is that church hurt is not an if, but it's a when. We are getting somewhere this morning, I promise. This is all building. I mean, the story was worth the price of admission, I'm sure. But this is not gloom and doom. This is not like, oh, boy, here we go. I'm just trying to help us to understand that it's going to happen. And if we can identify those, those moments that, oh, this is happening, but then I begin to realize, oh, it's because of me. I misunderstood something. Something was miscommunicated. I took something the wrong way. And in a very real sense, I just need to get over it. A lot, of, a lot of our hurt can be taken care of of us just saying, it's it's okay. It's not a big deal. I forgive you. I, it was actually, it was my mistake. It's it's stop. So let me give you some reasons that we have church hurt, number one, is unrealized expectations. Again, I'm gonna tell you from my perspective, unrealized expectations, that you come into a church as a pastor, and, and many of you have grown up in church, and you have expectations of me because of the, the seat that I sit in, that, well, you're the pastor, so you fill in the blank. And what I have seen in, in this, I've grown up in, in church, I've grown, grown up in that culture, that I've seen the church and the congregation, the, say the congregation and the pastor, have this unhealthy relationship. You meet all my needs, and I expect that you meet all my needs. But then I open up to Ephesians 4, and what Paul says is that, that my job as the pastor is to help equip you to do the work of ministry. But for years, if you've been in church culture, for the years, everyone sits in a room like this and they look at the pastor, not just on Sunday mornings, but, hey, there's this problem, pastor, what are you going to do about it? Hey, I'm, I have this problem, what are you going to do about it? And over the last number of years, we've been making this shift, this cultural shift, this DNA shift, that it's not about me to you, it's about us to each other. Where congregational care happens in the context of life groups, you need help. You, you, you talk to those people that are in that circle. And if you're not in a life group, you need to get in a life group. And if you say, I'll never be in a life group, then we'll talk. I don't mean to convince you to be in a life group, but, but we don't want you to feel like you're left out. But often what pastors will do is they'll they'll be in this toxic relationship with the congregation of how much you need me and how I will sacrifice my life, and I'll sacrifice my health, and I'll sacrifice my family for you. My ministry is to my family. I play a role in this body, but I am not Jesus. And I'll say it one more time, Jeff. And I'm not a prophet. (laughs) Talk about when church hurt, No. I don't ever want to begin to fill that role. I don't want to ever come across like I do. Because you will not find hope in me. I will let you down. I will say something. I will do something. I will not be at a certain place when you think that I should be there. And that's where this happens is that, well, well, you know what? I understand that so-and-so came to see me, and -and so-and-so came to see me, and -and so-and-so. But Joe, you didn't come to see me, so... And I believe that we're in a much, much healthier context where there's not that expectation, where people take care of each other and that's what the body of Christ is about. I don't wanna be in a codependent relationship with you, just so we're clear. I wanna point you to Jesus. Because someday, 40 years from now, there'll be a different pastor that stands in my place. And I want you to be in love with Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus. Misunderstandings is another area that we, uh, we get hurt in church by. Uh, Jesus, even though he was pretty clear about who he was and what he came to do, was misunderstood. <laughs> we thought you were this. No. Even the people that said, no, Peter says, you're the Christ. And he didn't quite understand what he was even saying. This is one of the areas that's hard for me, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to to elicit sympathy. I'm just trying to be real with you from my perspective. Because there are times when people have issues with me, and this is also, I'm sure you've had people have had issues with you, and instead of coming to talk to you, they go and talk to seventeen other people. And often they go and talk to these people because they're they're upset with you, but but Jesus says that they should come talk to you, and we say, But that doesn't, that's not as doesn't feel as good as me telling seventeen other people. And this is where the struggle comes in for me. It's not so much the person with the axe to grind that's like, can you believe? But that the people that they talk to believe the things that are said. When those people should say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I know, Joe, I know, I, I, yes, I mean, of course, I make mistakes, but I, I know it's hard. I'm, I'm going to go ask him. Let's go talk to him. Oh, no, no. But often people just take it in and because I think we like the juiciness of it like Really? I never thought. Well, maybe he didn't then (laughs) But it's hurtful to me when people hear the people that have an axe to grind and they believe that instead of believing the best And we do that to each other and I think it's because we like the juiciness of it. We like the story We like the dateline like oh, and then (laughs) like, yeah, give me more but that's not healthy that's toxic but that's a reality in church and that's a reality after many years of ministry uh, a thing that I find very difficult because I know that I'm gonna be misunderstood it's hurtful to me because I want you to know that I never set out to say man how can I hurt you all like that is never my heart And yet there were people in my life over 20 plus years of ministry, there are people that I'm sure would stand up and testify how I hurt them. Never my heart. Never like, man, I just can't. Wait, even the people that are like, I don't like you, and that's happened. I didn't look at them and say, I just can't stand you. Misunderstandings are from pastors who are people to people in the congregation from y'all to me, from y'all to y'all. I, I told you at the beginning, church would be great if it weren't for the people, but that's the reality that we find ourselves in. Miscommunication is huge. I'm going to tell on somebody. This happened not too long ago, and I know that it was said in, in jest. That's why I feel like I can talk about this. Uh, if, you, if you think it's, it's you, know that I'm, I, I, I love you. How about that? So uh, it must have been two years ago, maybe. I was talking about me personally. Uh, I don't talk about myself all the time. Just in case you're new, you're like, man, this guy talks about himself all the time. I talk about how I don't hug people. Like I don't, and I don't mean, like I hug my family. I hug my kids. Like, but I don't want to fulfill, again, I'm not like, hey, baby. like I don't want to fulfill something in you that doesn't need to be there. I think sometimes in church that's what you have, is you have people that come into church like, I can't wait to hug him and hug him, and where's that holy kiss at, you know, like like this improper stuff, and I don't want to feed into that. There are times that people need hugs, and I'm not like, but I'm not going around like this, and I'm telling you, that's a personal preference conviction of mine, because I know where those kind of things can lead, and so I'm very guarded when it comes to that. And so somebody, I, I shared all that. And so somebody after church said to somebody else, oh, we can't hug because the pastor says we can't hug. I'm like, <sighs> and I know it was said, I know it was like, I know it was tongue in cheek. I know it was joking around. I, so it's not, I'm like, I'm not offended, but I got up the next Sunday because I didn't want there to be miscommunication or misunderstanding. I'm like, you guys are allowed to hug. You're allowed to care for each other. It's okay. I'm just telling you because of the context we were talking about. That's something that I'm very guarded about because I don't want there to be many misunderstandings. And in me trying to not have any misunderstandings or miscommunication, I miscommunicated. <laughs> you know where it's at. <laughs> I'm miscommunicating right now, so that's good. <laughs> I see that hand. All right, last one. This is, goes from laughing to being serious. Uh, some of you uh, have been—we are really going to get to the Bible, I promise you. We're going to move quickly. Abuse is the last one. Some of you have been abused in church. Some of you have been physically abused. You've been emotionally abused. You've been spiritually abused. You've been mentally abused in the church by people that you say, but I trusted them because they were in a position of authority or in leadership, and what they said or what they did felt like, well, I don't really agree, but I guess it's okay because they're doing it. I want to tell you that abuse... Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual abuse, it is real, and it is never okay. There's never a moment where we say, you know what, I get it that it's bad, but in this instance, it was all right. It is never okay. It should never be condoned, and it should never be covered up. We're good at that in churches, though. And I don't say that with pride. I say that what churches do is like, we don't want so-and-so to be painted in a bad light, so we'll just kind of like take the rug and like sweep it under and pretend like it didn't happen. That's a problem. We value authenticity and we value transparency at Northampton. And there are times where we're going to mess up. There's times where we're going to get it wrong. And I pray that every time that we do, that we're honest and we're real about it and say this is what happened and this is what we're gonna do about it. We want Northampton to be a safe space where all people can come and feel like I can explore biblical faith here. Where you can feel like as we have relationships with each other, there's not this ulterior motive. But some of you have experienced that and we push back against that. I mean, that's why I even talk about the hugging thing. Like I don't, I don't want there to... Hopefully you're still not lost. It makes sense? Good. Preach it. All right. But if you've been abused, no matter how it's been tried to be justified or rationalized, because it happens, especially if you've been abused, you know in that situation, like, well, let me give you an excuse that really doesn't hold water, but I'm going to try to explain it away. There's never a reason to explain it away or rationalize it. It's wrong. And if that's you, that you would get help. That you begin in Christ who is not what happened to you. And if you need counseling, you seek counseling. If you need, if you need medication, you get the medication in the process of, of this overall healing of your heart and healing of your life. And it's okay. That you might work by God's power to a place of forgiveness. Not, not like, hey, that's okay, but a place where you can forgive them and set yourself free and ultimately with wisdom that you would move to a place to expose that situation it is never okay and so these are the reasons if you open it to James chapter 4 we're going to be there for a minute cuz i want to give you some sources of church hurt because this stands as a kind of our introduction to this whole series. It's important that we understand these things because I think as we understand that this is some of the reasons why. Because you can look at some of these, you'd be like, yeah, that's why I've been hurt. Uh, yeah, that's why I've been hurt. And what I want you to see, for at least for some of these, it really has to do with you saying, uh, you know what? I just misunderstood. And I need to get over it. For some of these, you don't have to just get over it you need to get help. And we can, if we can help with that, we would love to do that as well. James chapter 4. James gives us some pretty good insight into where church hurt comes from. Not to step on uh, Larry's toes, you are in James already. So if you want to study in James... They're studying James, talking about wisdom apparently today, but uh, we're talking about hurt today. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? James asks this question. He's like, where is this interpersonal problems? Where are they coming from? Where's this hurt coming from? He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? that you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. He says, what causes fights? What causes these issues? What causes this hurt between you? That your worldly, ungodly, fleshly desires are at battle with each other. As the church, as people who follow Jesus, our desires should be to feed the spirit and not feed the flesh. When we begin to feed the flesh and say it's about what I want, when I want it, what happens is, is that I, that begins to well up in me, and it produces a crop that is not what I want. It's not godly at all. And then you have somebody else that's doing the same thing, and we're like, we want this, we want what And there's this battling, this fighting. What causes these fights? What, what causes you to be at odds is because you guys want what you want and nothing what God wants. First thing, I got four S's for you because Nate likes alliteration, wherever Nate is. Let's see that hand. It's all about seeing those hands today. The first one is sin. That this is one of the things that, that causes a source of, of church hurt is sin. That sin is missing the mark. And if you've been around church at all, you're like, yeah, I know what sin is, but I wanted to let you know that this is, this is a big deal. That sin is falling short of God's standard. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. As we've said before, the center of I or center of sin is I, that, that sin is really what I want when I want it, not what God wants. None of us are immune. All of us are sinners, even the really good ones of you. And the hope that we have is that, that Jesus died for that sin, that our sin might be forgiven, that we might be restored, that we might be made whole. Not to perpetuate this hurt, not to perpetuate these negative things, not to, not to feed the flesh, but to feed the spirit so that we might be a healthy place. James continues, you do not have because you do not ask. And he, what he doesn't mean is, hey, you don't have that fancy car because you didn't ask for it. He's like, you're asking with these wrong motives. You're asking for things that are not in line with what God wants for your life. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions, and so it's just like this cycle of like. Because of my sin, I'm doing battle with you. I'm I'm ready to murder you to get what I want, and I keep asking, but I don't get because I get, I don't get because I'm I'm asking so that I can use them to be more worldly and more like not like Christ. You adulterous people. You, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Another source of our hurt is ourselves. It kind of ties in with sin, but this idea that I, it's, it's really about me and what you find as you look at the life of Christ, what you find as you look at what Christ has called you to, that none of this is about you. It's all about what Christ wants to do in and through you. James says we get into trouble in the church when we start thinking that the church is about us. When we start using words like, this is my church. Now, you can say, hey, there, that's my church, and this is where my church meets, and that's different than, <clears throat> this is my church. A little different connotation. But can I remind you that we are the church. We don't go to church, that we are the church. And we need to care for each other that Paul very clearly talks about serving one another, bearing each other's burdens, caring for each other, that we don't, we don't do church as individuals. We do church as a body. It's so important to remember that. Because we go to such unhealthy places when we make church about us and what I want, that, that Northampton... If you are part of this local expression of the body of Christ, what we are about is loving God, loving people, making disciples. And we want to lead you to that, and we want to lead with that. That We don't just say, you guys ought to do this, but we, by God's power, want to embody that. And not just in these four walls at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, but the places that we go that we would follow Jesus and all the spirits of influence that we go into. Verse 6, but he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That evidence of self rearing its ugly head is really the lack of humility in your life. And Jesus says, and James says here, uh, that if you're walking in pride, you're walking in opposition to God. So what's the solution? Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submitting yourselves is saying no to myself and yes to God and whatever he wants for my life and for your life. Then he says to resist the devil, and that's the third source of church hurt uh, is Satan. And I will say this up front, that we want to give Satan way more credit than he deserves. Satan does play an active role to to battle against these, uh, these forces that we can't see, Scripture tells us. But if you remember back in James chapter 1, for your, those of you in your class, uh, where, does, where does this come from? It comes from my own self often, that I, I lust after something. We talk about, like, the think it, want it, do it, pay for it, that I think about it, this thought comes in, like, I, I really want this thing, and it's, it's, it's opposite of what God wants for my life. And at that moment, I can say, you know what, God, I, I want to feed the Spirit. I don't want to feed the flesh, and so I'm going to say no. But the problem is, is that we think it, and then it turns into this want it, and ultimately, we do it, and it results in us paying for it. Satan is behind those things, but often we, we use the phrase, well, the devil made me do it. No. <laughs> often, often, it's one of these two things that made you do it. But it certainly is easy to blame somebody else, isn't it? It's the woman you gave me. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Not you, Adam, Not only do we have a prophet here, but we have Adam. So uh, that's good. But I want you to know that this is God's church. And not the steeple in the building, but this is God's church. And what Jesus says very clearly is that I, Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not my job to change people's hearts. It's not my job to try to like, oh, let's... It's my job to to live and speak the truth. Jesus is the one who builds his church. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. All of these things are examples of if you say that you follow Jesus, all of these things would be true coming out of you. That there's not pride, there's not this like, ah, oh, yeah, I sin, but I really don't care about it. That there is this very real sense of this depravity of yourself, like I am, I am in trouble, and I am nothing. The reality in church is that there are some imposters in the church. And here's my S for that. It's just kind of a new word for it, but they're scammers. And the problem is, is that we have people in the church that, that we believe really love Jesus but fall into this category. Jesus calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. And we've been hurt by people that we thought loved Jesus. We've been hurt by people that are maybe in positions of authority that have told us things that we want to believe because, well, they said it when really their hearts are far from him. If I can remind you again, don't give up on God because of how his children behave. Some of the people that have hurt you may have looked like they were his children, but really aren't. And don't turn your back on God who loves you, who wants a, relationship, a healthy relationship with you, because of how that person or that situation or that church has treated you. So if you're running, I want you to know that there's forgiveness and freedom. If you're hurting, I want you to know that there's peace in Jesus. If you are hurting people, you need to stop. Can I say it clearer than that? Probably not. (laughs) And I don't mean like you're necessarily abusing people, but if, what you're, if you're leveraging your authority to put weights on somebody else so that they walk in agony, you need to stop. We want people here to genuinely love God, love people, and make disciples. That's what we want to be about. We want Northampton to be a place, a safe space, where you can come and you can explore biblical faith. And I want you to know, up front, that we're gonna do the best that we can to preach the truth of the gospel as we understand it from the word of God. And we're not editors. We're not gonna edit out things and say, yeah, but that's inconvenient, or that makes me feel uncomfortable, so we're not gonna do that. That God's word is our authority And so if God says it, then we need to do it. Or at least have a long conversation with him about it first and then do it. (laughs) But we want to be a church that looks like this. I want you, if you could turn to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be done. And when I say we're going to be done, normally that's the cue. If you have the zipper on your Bible, that's when you would normally zip it up. But I'm not going to let you do that because we're going to be in Colossians 3 real quick. If you missed the pre-service, and you have no idea what we're talking about there, but uh, we'll catch up. But this, for me, has been one example of a healthy church, a church rooted in Christ, a church that as we, as we who follow Jesus, who call ourselves Christ followers, as we surrender our lives to Jesus, as we are being changed by Jesus, that this is what church should look like and can look like. Will there ever be misunderstandings? Yeah. Will there ever be miscommunication? There sure will be, because remember, church would be great if it weren't for the people. But but the fact is, in that moment where we realize, you know what, I messed up, I'm going to take ownership of it. If, you, if you've if you been hurt by me, you say, hey, you know, I, just, I, I need to talk to you because this thing that you said, this thing that you did, it, like, I don't know if I took it wrong or not, and I want to believe the best, but I'm really distraught by it. Can we talk? Yes, let's talk about it. Did you mean that? I did not mean that. Okay, let's move on. Did you mean that? Yes, I meant that. Well, you're a jerk. Well, then we'll have that conversation. But whatever it is, at least we're talking to each other, that we're communicating, that we care for each other because we need to be the church that cares for each other. Not in a, like, let's put up the walls and let's be like our own holy huddle. May we never, ever do that. But may we be a healthy place where people can come and explore biblical faith And see, as Jesus talks to his disciples and says, that they will know that you're my disciples, how? By your love for one another. I want to be that kind of church. And I believe, and I believe by God's power and by God's working and doing things that I would never have chosen over the last four years. God has led us to a place of health, healthy year. We're not going to stop and be settlers and say, yep, we've arrived, (laughs) look, we're here. But that they would be pioneers, that we'd keep moving forward, but knowing that we're in such a healthier place because of God. May this be true of us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, put on whole, uh, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. These things only happen because of Jesus. It's not like, hey, Tonight, if you can make this into a checklist so the next time I see you, you can be like, All right, I got a compassionate heart. Jesus, make me like you. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Understand that doesn't mean you get a free pass. It doesn't mean like, Hey, I can hurt you, but you're going to forgive me. It's none of that. But when we mess up, we own up and say, Yeah, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you believe in getting a tattoo, just kidding, I was gonna say just like, just kidding. I'm not against tattoos. I'm just trying not to miscommunicate. But this is something I would love to have tattooed like Somewhere that I see, like, this is who we are. This is who I want to be. No matter what body that I belong to, whether it's here or somewhere else, that this is how we ought to walk this out. And this is only a reflection of Christ in us. Not because we've all learned how to be good little Christians, but because Jesus is transforming us to look like the body that we should be. And so as we begin this series, if you are hurting uh, if you need to talk, let me know. I mean, we have deacons that are, uh, that are on call, that are ready to help you. Uh, there are people beyond the deacons that are ready to help. Uh, reach out. Let us know. Uh, you may not feel comfortable talking to me. I mean, I get it. But you may be comfortable talking to somebody else. That's fine. But however we can help in this, because we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, uh, and we look forward to, I look forward to, to where we go the next couple of weeks. You might be a little uncomfortable, I know we'll probably find places of being uncomfortable, but we want to get you from church hurt to church hope.